Hey Rippers, are you learning how to surf? But have you got a clue? Or are you a big old kook? Since there's a million ways to kook it, you should stick around and learn a thing or two. Because if you don't know, let me tell you right now that surfers love to spot a kook. But don't get all stressed about it, because everyone kooks it once in a while. And that's the reason we started KookCast. Because the more you know, the less you'll kook it. <laughs> so bust out your swimmies and get ready to learn. KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom one episode at a time. And hopefully offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, and I started the surf coaching and education resource, thesurfcontinuum.com. And this week on the show, Coach Evan and I are talking about catching your own waves. Because believe it or not, getting pushed into a wave is a pretty common teaching strategy that surf instructors use. Um, but we like to talk on this show about how to do it by yourself because that's what we assume you want to do, right? You want to be able to go out there and do the damn thing by yourself. So without getting into the whole debate on whether it's right or wrong or a good strategy or not, we're just going to work through some of our, like, our ideology around how catching a wave works, okay? And it's a tough one to do, actually, we found, because when we were laying it out for ourselves, we came up with three topics. Uh, uh, not topics, but three categories of catching a wave, which is your equipment, your timing, and your positioning. And But everything changes when one of those things changes, especially your equipment. You know, if you change your board, your positioning and timing changes from a, a, like maybe a lower or higher volume board. Uh, without redoing the episode now in the intro, just wanted to get you up to speed with this like bouncing all around you know, kind of style of discussion. But hopefully, hopefully, if you kind of just bear with us through it all, by the end of the episode, you might start to have a, an idea of how this all works, at least how we think of it. And it'll give you a good, it'll give you a good foundation for getting out there and, and understanding why maybe you're not catching waves even though you're riding a big board, for example. All right, so hopefully you enjoy this one. Here we go. Yeah, brother. Cheers. Fucking doing it all. Getting shit done, surfing a ton, getting some work done, getting some good clips. Hanging chandeliers. <laughs> I actually love that stuff. Hell yeah. A little project. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, so catching waves. It's a good one because this for us as teachers is kind of a foundational aspect of being a surfer, mm -hmm. being able to catch your own wave. And I think, you know, for 90, well, I don't know real numbers, but a great majority of people that take surf lessons are deprived of that education. Mm -hmm. And that's because the surf instructor knows damn well you can't learn it in an hour. Right. It's a, it's a process that you learn first by learning your good paddling technique and building up on all the underlying principles that you need to have in place before you can even try to catch your own wave. But it's, it's a really special thing and one of the reasons we're so emphatic about strictly not pushing people into waves and teaching them to catch their own wave 
is because that is the joy, that's part of the pride in being a surfer, especially as you get better and better at it. Because it's just like anything, you can do it, but you can do it increasingly well and better. And so I think we're gonna do our best to cover this one we already worked through. We got some good like framework for ourselves to follow, but I think the basis of it all is talking to your equipment that you're riding, your positioning, and your timing. Okay, and, and there's other things, you know, wave size, wave speed, wave shape, but let's just keep it for simplicity's sake to, you know, the everyday surfer. Regular size waves, you know, no bigger than head high, never really top to bottom tubing, shooting, down the line rippers. Right. Just what, you know, a regular surfer might find themselves in in, in the intermediate at most scenario. Right, it's an elusive little beast, you know, catching waves and figuring it out and, and making it not a struggle and make it look easy like you know the people that you look up to out there in the lineup you know it, it takes a really long time and I've and I feel like you know I've always been pretty good at it but I've only just really caught on to a few really key ingredients to make it consistent and and make it just easier yeah and you know I think what you were trying to say just there is like well, may, you tell me, but knowing if you can catch a wave before you even try. Being able to see a wave, you know, your position relative to that wave, knowing when you'll have to leave to get it if you want to, or look at it and be like, no, it's not going to be worth it. Right. Those are some of the nuances that really come out as you just continue to do it. So to anybody that's still getting pushed into waves, we just highly, highly encourage you to start learning how to do it yourself because this was this is a huge aspect of what it means to be a true surfer is somebody who can sync up with the ocean and get in rhythm with those pulses of energy and get yourself on them yeah and, and whoever you're surfing with you know whoever if they are giving you little boosts in the waves tell them you don't want it anymore and <laughs> yeah. you want them to tell you those key little ingredients that they're doing you know to to catch waves effortlessly and and take on the challenge you right. know if there's nothing better there's nothing better than catching your first wave or catching a wave that you really wanted you know like you saw it from afar and you found you know you made your way into position and you got it and you got a great wave out of it i mean a lot goes into it so mm, yeah shut that down no more pushes and recognize that it's a journey it's a it's a long it's not a one lesson thing and i'm sure there'll be there always is like breakthrough sessions where you feel like you learned something huge or some mental barrier just got busted down and you are like oh my god this changes everything but for the most part, it's a long haul slog through the water, and uh, you'll, but you'll get there and be encouraged about that. And the longer, if, just, if none of that inspires you, just know that the longer you put it off, the worse it'll be. Right, the harder it's <laughs> gonna be. So, uh, okay, so like we said about our framework, we have your equipment, you have timing and positioning, so let's start diving into them. Also know that these things are all a balance of each other like interrelated yeah exactly like if you change a little bit of one thing that's gonna affect the other thing and if you change your board then that's gonna change the timing you need to have and all these aspects so it's gonna feel like we're bouncing around this isn't like a one two three point by point to make it's more um, we're gonna have this discussion but you know it's always gonna be about one of those three things so uh, for me, I think I want to just start with the equipment, you know, yeah. like long board versus short board versus mid length and what those offer you. 
and when you brought up the, when you brought up equipment, the, this was the first time it it dawned on me again. It's like if you haven't really dialed in catching waves on a surfboard by yourself, then go back to what we always say: grab a boogie board and go figure out how to catch white waters. We we even see people trying to get, work their way in, and they're having such a hard time just getting hit from behind by a white water mm. and knowing how to position themselves on the board they're riding mm -hmm. to get picked up. Like that's that's like a huge red flag when I'm seeing people trying to take off on even white waters and they're just getting left in the dust. Right. One after another. That's a huge tall tale sign like, okay, you got got some work to do. You got some work to do. You yeah, because that's really just a matter of your timing. You know, you really just, it, it, it's a good way to isolate one aspect of your timing. And just when do you leap off the ocean floor forward towards the beach at the same time that the wave is, is surging at you, you know? And I mean, you know, the, the greatest surfers, most of them learn it when they're kids. And of course, that's the easiest time to learn it. But it doesn't mean that you can't take advantage of that same error or, or, or period of uh, a kid's surf life and apply it to your own and just get your timing down just know when it's time to apply that big force you know burst like to energy burst yeah. of energy burst of momentum so that you're matching the wave speed for one second that's that's all you gotta do you gotta match it for one second you gotta you gotta sync up with that wave energy and if you do it a thousand times in the white water you know and then you'll get a little reform wave that you you know you push off the bottom and then you have to do a couple strokes to get into and now you're on the open face and now you really feel like you just caught your first open face wave take it to you know what you normally try to surf on mm. yeah that's that's one thing i love i mean if people don't know this by now then know it right now we're huge fans of the whitewater because there's there's an element there that you maybe discredit and that's like discovering how to read waves not all whitewaters are the same just like not all waves are the same some of them are surging forward and like not going to reform some of them are backing off and kind of reforming into an, a, a back into an open face wave and as you just spend time in the whitewater you start to catch on to those things you start to see double ups a little roller three inches big rolling up behind a little one that's reforming and then they double up and turn into actually a punchy little wave that you could fully shortboard right there on the inside. And if you start catching those things, you'll start to see how that translates out into the open outside lineup. It's doing the same stuff. There's like waves colliding and, and converging and, and creating all these little moments, you know, and here we are crossing into the other thing. This is positioning now, you know, like learning right. how to see that and be like, ooh, if I just get right over there, I know for my days in the whitewater, those two waves are gonna come together as that front one reforms and the back one overtakes it, it's gonna be a punchy little thing. Right. And all I gotta do is get there and then I'm, I'm almost in. That's half the battle sometimes. Right. And so like talking about catching waves and, and equipment specific takes on that and how, how you do that, you know, it's like if you're on a big longboard, you're able to, you know, sit further out the back and basically even if the, even if the line were to kind of get under you a tiny bit if you really wanted to you could get that board up to speed mm. and get it back in front of that line of power and still you know toss yourself over that little 
that little rocking point, that little teeter-totter point that you got to figure out what, and it, it all changes on what board you're riding. So I think most of our, our peeps that are listening are on bigger boards. So let's definitely hit that. Yeah, let's, let's, okay. So diving into the longboard, you know, the advantages, let's talk about the advantages of having a longboard. You know, it's, it's, it's more powerful. It can, in terms of paddle speed, you can really compensate for bad timing by paddling a little harder on a longboard. Like, I feel like you can be more out of time on a longboard and then come back from behind and catch up. Like Make you said, up for it, yeah. be like a little behind the ledge. Not that this is ideal, but it's just speaking to the advantages of a longboard. Be a little behind the ledge. And then if you just dig, sometimes you're just right there and you can tip over. Right. You know, whereas on a shortboard, you might not be able to do that. And also it allows you to just sit further away from the peak, right? The, the more developed critical section of the wave. So it allows you just to, to, to have a much safer, less critical takeoff, mm. just right out there on the shoulder. And that's another thing that we kind of discourage even beginners from really focusing on, oh, let me, let me just run off to the shoulder and get into the wave over there so I don't have to take a steep drop and I don't have to really set my rail dynamically and hard and 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 race any sort of section. I can basically just drop in straight, really nice and safe, and then really nurse my board over onto rail and and kind of barely shake shaky, shakily set it and and then go you know that's that's why even beginners even before we're really taking off on waves we're still training ourselves to work our way towards the power source and towards the pocket even if you're on a long board you know right, get right. over there learn how to get your board turned around in time and all of those things but don't you know don't sacrifice being able to drop into the wave where it actually has some power and you can have you can drop into that wave with speed mm-hmm. and it just opens up the world to you as a yeah. surfer when you're dropping into a wave with speed as opposed to being late slogging over the shoulder and then barely getting into it and basically a lot of the time the wave's over right right yeah i mean it's 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 a there's a multiple uh, consequences of trying to be safe on a longboard you know like like you're saying how going out to the shoulder there's less power over there on the shoulder so that means you're also going to be working harder to get to get into the wave and you know you have to stay up at speed for longer under your own power until that shoulder finally develops into a steep enough slope for you to start sliding down as opposed to going to a part of the wave closer to the peak oh i wanted to clarify something before i go on let's call the peak the left and right you know like peak will be say left or right and shoulder is left or right and impact zone will be in and out okay like because you said oh you want like longboarders uh stay away from the peak but you could be on the peak just way outside do you know what i mean right right so calling like way on the inside we'll call that the impact zone so longboarders can stay away from the impact zone more than shortboarders need like do so okay so with that being said still as a longboarder getting closer to the peak 
is ideal even if it's a little more outside and less developed of a peak because as that peak develops it's going to be the first part of the wave that becomes steep enough for you to slide down minimizing the amount of strokes you need to take to stay with it whereas if you're out on the shoulder or only paddling for waves that you're on the shoulder of and shying away from the ones with the peak then you're going to be digging and digging and digging and here's the ironic thing i find a lot of times people dig for so long on that shoulder get themselves all the way to the inside until that shoulder becomes just as steep as the peak section would have been right you know and then they have a, a difficult takeoff 20, 30 yards inside of where they were, as opposed to just getting that takeoff over with, whether you fall or not, right. on the outside, and then you're still on the outside if you wipe out and you fall or you mess up. So like, it, it's funny because you catch a wave at the same moment for whatever equipment you're on almost every time. And just being on the peak or the shoulder determines how far in you have to go to get it. So, okay, let me not get too diluted in my, my thoughts here, but Basically on the longboard, just because you have that advantage of paddling fast and being able to stay up at speed and and carry a wave through to the inside, doesn't mean you should do it on the shoulder. You should still aim to be on the peak. Because, and now going to the positioning aspect of all this, being at the peak for any equipment is ideal because that's the first part of the wave to develop. That's the first part of the wave to start standing and getting ready to break. And, and your equipment is more determining of how far outside of the impact zone you are or near it, you know, and on, all, on a longer board, you can be very conservative, very outside and glide into it on a, a longer runway right. and be standing up before that peak even gets all critical. Right. So what you thought was dangerous and scary, the peak, it's not. It's, it's nothing worse than what the shoulder is going to be if you keep paddling into the right. inside. It's actually much, much easier. It allows, you know, it, it allows you in you know wave entry much easier we've all had that where we really scrap super hard to get into a wave and then we're kind of out of sorts as we're trying to do yeah, a, yeah. do a, a proper stand up and set our line but we're kind of gassed out and our press up isn't that good and it just all starts to snowball so as 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 much energy as you can conserve in in actually catching and setting up the wave that's that's something you want to be doing and that's choosing the right board and then really working on your positioning and and not and not allowing you know allowing yourself to keep running over to the shoulder even though you know your friends your coaches everybody out there who's surfing well is running the exact opposite way right. further out and deeper to the the starting point of the wave right 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 yeah it's 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 kind of like a consequence of of you know taking too much leaning too much into the board to do the work which really comes down to you you're doing the work the only thing that drives that board forward other than the wave once you catch it is you so if you are leaning too much into the fact that you have a long board and you can drive it forward remember you're the one who has to keep driving it so the, you're still your goal is still to be near that peak it's just like what you're saying um, but you know this this comes up a lot because we run into this all the time, people who question whether their board is, is too small because they're struggling to catch waves. And, and anybody that listens to the show knows that we mention occasionally the smallest board you can ride is ideal. You know, that you can paddle with a glide. We're not saying everyone go out there and buy a six, seven foot board, but what's the smallest board that you can get on glide? Like you can get up on the water and planing along with long, deep strokes and not a lot of effort 
and that's the board you want to ride because it's easier to control. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm thinking of a few people in particular that get bigger and bigger boards, and they sh and you know what's so funny? It doesn't help. It doesn't help because they're still doing the same fundamental things wrong right. with their catching the wave. They're still trying to be too conservative, too far onto the shoulder. And, and so, so they, now they have an, a 10, 11 foot board and they're still paddling like a maniac to catch a wave. That blows my mind. That like, don't you see other people just effort, even short boards can, like, can do it effortlessly when you understand the fundamental principles of timing and positioning. And so it's, you know, this is, what I'm trying to say here is not to lean too much into the advantage a board has to offer you, especially the longboard. It's a longboard sing syndrome for sure, right. and beginner's thing. Um, so, talking, okay, so another thing I wanted to clarify, because you know, when I think of, I've been imagining drawing up a graph of catching a wave, mm -hmm. and positioning is a left to right thing. Like I said before, peak to shoulder. Oh, you need to go deeper, you need to go wider. Timing is an in and out thing. When do I leave? Do I sit here and wait for it? And this is all based on the development of the wave. Right. Or do I start digging right now because I can see I'm already a little still outside of it, you know? And, and then you combine those two, so it's an X and a Y graph. Right. You know, you have to come across to the peak, but also consider your timing of when do I need to start moving in, and that's where the sitting turn and the prone turn become such important things. Right. Do you want to jet over to the peak because you're in the right timing-wise because you still have time before you need to leave for the inside right. and start matching the momentum of the wave, but you're not at the peak, so you take that time to jet over to the peak. Parallel to the beach. Like, Parallel to, right, yes. exactly. And then, depending upon how much time you have, either do a prone turn and maintain your momentum, or sit up, whip that thing around because you have no time, cork it, and off you go. Yep. But these are the balances. It's, it's again, one of these things that we can't just black and white spell it out for you, but you need to go out there with this new consideration, like, okay, I need to get to my right position, but when do I need to start building my momentum in the direction of the wave energy? And when you pair those two things, you start to see this axis, this X and Y graph on the ocean as if you're a bird looking down and waves are coming in through this graph of where you need to be. And it, yeah, it's almost always a diagonal, you know, it's mm. not any... It's never a beeline, right. it, you know, it's hardly ever. And you're rarely ever just in the spot. So you yeah. like, as soon as you see movement you know, set movement or other surfers move, moving, that's your cue. Like, oh yeah, now's the time to start doing the work. Right. And, and that's right. one of those things that I think that we really try to train into ourselves, like just to be on high alert, you know? Some of those best waves are those early waves in the set that you're thinking, you're, you know, most people are only thinking about the set waves and then those little medium, medium-sized waves come through and everybody's still thinking about those big set waves that are closing out and big mush burgers but the really good ones are the ones that you have to identify early turn early do the whole setup early and and when you start recognizing that it's also just a great way to to deal with you know when we're talking about catching waves so much of the time it's the cr a crowd dynamic mm, situation mm. and when you were talking about always running for the shoulder god 
every time you turn around to start setting up a wave, you're gonna look and there's gonna be somebody t closer to the oh, peak. What a good point we didn't even mention, yeah. Someone's gonna be there and you're just gonna always be pulling back, always be pulling back or always be burning somebody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, there's no win there. <laughs> Lose-lose scenario. Right. So right. You, that's another great reason. I'm so happy you brought that up of why, you know, you don't want to be on the shoulder because we're talking in this idealistic situation where you're alone, but you're never alone. There's always some surfers out there. So the closer you get to the peak, the closer you can be to priority, you know, the closer you can be to the one who deserves the wave, who earns the wave in the right of way. The priority, the, the surfers that stay safe, are always burning or pulling out one or the other but you know and if they're a super aware surfer good good for you you know at least you're not out there burning people but you're also not catching waves it's frustrating yeah yeah that's a frustrating thing yeah and 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 it, it, it increases like you know there's lineups where even I am in like frequently the one on the shoulder well not the shoulder per se but not as deep as the other guys are right you know like tubing rifling waves those all-time days you really have to fucking suck it up and go and get under the lip otherwise you're gonna be pulling back for the guy who is right and a lot of times that's like like you were saying you off on the shoulder when you finally get to that point of takeoff it might be even gnarl gnarlier than the actual proper takeoff yep, zone yep. that that slingshots you into that second section of the wave where you're you know the shoulder hoppers trying to drop in there and they're getting sucked over the falls they're they're like becoming part of the barrel and the good surfers shooting right through it you know um well that's a good segue into shortboarding because i think we covered like the longboarders and i do want to talk about shortboarders because there are a bunch of people like working their way through like shortboards and trying to get into it but uh you know to summarize quickly your longboard allows you to get up to speed and to be a little further away from the impact zone toward you know on the outside and, and gives you a little more time to move around and, and start your process going because you're further out. You know, but that being said, don't over rely on the fact that your board moves fast and you can drive it along. You still are aiming to get to the peak. You're still aiming to get that wave where it's gonna develop first. That way, just like Coach Ev said, you're in early at the right place with priority, more than likely, you know, better chances. And, uh, and in most cases, it's actually the easier takeoff, even though it feels intimidating because it's bigger. Um, okay, so moving into shortboarding, you have a different scenario here. Like the board doesn't do as much for you. You don't get to just paddle hard and glide along. You know this if you've ever been on a shortboard and paddled around longboarders. Another frustrating situation. Yep. Um, you know, this, you're, you're relying so much more. Uh, this is basically what it comes down to, I guess. A shortboarder is re relying so much more on their timing and positioning uh, elements than their equipment. Absolutely. And, and I think that was kind of a major switch where, where I was like, okay, I need to start turning much earlier you know it's 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 a classic scenario everybody rushes out to meet meet waves you know and and it's just out of habit when in fact a lot of the time you're you've been sitting in the right spot you <laughs> don't have to run out to meet it you're you're already sitting in the spot you've already calculated where you should be in the lineup you're not too far out you're not too far in a lot of the times it's kind of like tracking down a fly ball like when it mm. comes off the bat you don't come you don't 
at first you're like, oh my God, it's so far away. You go start running forward and then you're like, oh shit, turn around. And that's the worst feeling running backwards, you know, trying to, trying to triangulate where you need to be to catch the ball or catch the wave, you know? So just playing with that and being a little bit more bold with holding your position and trusting where you're at and trusting that you you know you know how to take off at an angle you know how to set your rail if things if you do get into a critical situation you can dig yourself out of it Mm -hmm. you know and and as you start getting into more critical drops and and faster more speed you know related drops you'll start to love it that much more right the the shortboarders you know their advantages are the ability to move that board around over the water and under the water specifically. Mm -hmm. That's why you need to be not phased by the fact that waves might break outside of you. Mm -hmm. Because inevitably, if you're gonna run this strategy, you know, and hold your ground and stay on the inside, some of those waves will break outside of you. Your goal as a shortboarder is not to be on the outside all the time scot-free. You're not trying to stay out of the way of waves. You're in the way. You're trying to find those waves. You're trying to be in that perfect positioning. Your positioning is like so much more, and timing is so much more precise that you're gonna be wrong on the impact zone side of things. But you're not stressed about that. You're not worried because you can duck dive, because you can push the board under the lip, no problem. Right. And, and that's where I see where, when shortboarders struggle is when they're trying to act like a longboarder stay out the back, stay in the clear, you stay know, on the shoulder. Yeah. And, and just always be safe. And that's not the mentality that you can have as a shortboarder and catch waves. You know, like I, I say this to people all the time, like, you know, I want to have a valuable session. Like when we're out in, in a session together with a student or something, I want to have a valuable session, but what are we out here doing? Are we trying to avoid waves? Or are we trying to catch them? You know, you know, and you know those sessions where you're out there and every set that comes, we're like, ah, you know, and they're yeah, running out. Yeah. And it's like, all right, what are we doing here? Are, you know, we got to trust in our turtle roll or is this too big for us? Right. Are we out in waves too big? Because we're supposed to be catching waves. We're supposed to be getting in the mix and in the action. And that's right. Sometimes we will get rocked. We will get waves rolling over our heads. That's why we turtle roll. That's why we have these skills to, to keep us confident about holding our ground. So you have to check yourself and be honest, like, what are you doing out there? Because if you're running from waves, then you either need a bigger board or a different day. Right. You know, but being a shortboarder is all about being in that zone where you're playing like a cat and mouse game with the impact zone line. And that's a dynamic line that moves in and out depending upon whether the set is pushing through or it's an in-betweener wave uh, and things like that. Yeah, and then as far as like dropping in on a shortboard and really on a longboard too, but it's something that has been an epiphany for me as of lately and really studying other surfers is like is staying in front of the line and not only just staying in front of the, the swell line, but staying like lower on the face, mm-hmm. not allowing yourself, not being laid and doing a sitting turn in the middle of the of the wave and then by the time you lay down on your board and you get one stroke you're sucked up into the lip right and doing that but turning early getting set up and then and then keeping yourself in that like midway point or even below Mm -hmm. i mean it changes your drop significantly 
and it, it makes it so much easier. Like the, the board fits into the wave better. The way that you, you, you know, your, your whole view of the, of the line that you're dropping in on, as opposed to getting held up in the lip and getting into this frantic teeter-totter, oh, I'm in, I'm not, I'm in, I'm not. And you know, that usually doesn't end that well. You either like mm -hmm. try to pull back, get sucked over, or drop in and, and you know. Airdrop. Airdrop and have to go straight, you know, and straighten out. So it's really kind of just playing with that and identifying it early and just, just try it, you know. Try turning a little bit earlier and try doing the work to where you never get that feeling of being hung up in the lip where yeah. you just see you'll, so you'll catch many. the wave earlier yeah. I, I i still catch myself doing this stuff like if i ever turn for a wave that i feel like i'm late and i kind of am like oh i'm late and i start hesitating i always i say it to myself all the time like well go man like paddle you know don't turn late and not paddle like, if you're gonna go, turn and fucking dig. Yeah. And get yourself in that wave early and, and so you're standing up and setting your rail. But that's so funny, because the way you said it, it totally reminds me of a few times in sessions when I'm on my shortboard, I, I'll turn for a wave that I see is good, but I feel a little late on it. And the solution is just to really go, like yeah. to 100% go and not wonder if I should or shouldn't go while I'm basically half going for the wave yeah you know? you're 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 already committed there's yeah. really no <laughs> the only other option is getting like getting rocked you right. know and, and that's the only that's it's the only other way for some reason it's it sounds better when you're when you're spinning right in the guts of something right there but i mean that's really we've all got our best waves just like that making the decision early committing early paddling paddling down the face like you you feel yourself getting sucked up you're not done yeah, you're not yeah, yeah. done paddling you take those extra couple strokes to make sure you stay in that lower you know half or or lower you're trying to stay there and you'll see what happens your board comes up to speed yeah. like that in a click of your fingers and even the the stand-up and everything goes so much easier. The board just like gets pushed down. It's just like, it's just so easy. It's, it, it's like dropping in on a vert ramp or something where, I mean, you still, but you're still laying down, but you're like, <laughs> right, you're right. dropping in a vert ramp on no, your I belly you, no, and I you just you. push the board down and you stick your foot on the, on the deck and you're pretty much off and going, so. The vert ramp is almost a perfect analogy except for the fact that it stays the same shape. Right a wave is swelling and developing and eventually going concave and then pitching and breaking. Right. So if you, if that, I always imagine like imagine if we could make some sort of like land, not, not a wave pool, but like a, a ramp that starts as a lump and then changes shape and gets steeper and steeper, you know, that would be such a fun training tool. Um, but so in summary with the shortboarding, you know, it changes, so you're gonna change your equipment, like we said earlier, the other things are gonna change. Your timing needs to change and your positioning needs to change. Especially in my opinion, positioning. Like you really need to be more involved with the impact zone, duck diving more because you're inside of the big ones, trying to find that dynamic line and stay with it where the inside and the outside 
meet, you know? And if you're playing around with that and moving around, that's where you find a lot of waves. Right. And that's why shortboarders really can, when they're good and they really understand this, catch a ton of waves. A ton of waves, because there's a lot more waves happening on that threshold, that line between the inside and the outside, than there are that perfectly roll through from the outside, like the set waves, yep, you know? Yep. Everybody's um, waiting for those, and there's a ton. We always talk about there's just a ton of waves going unridden on the inside by people that don't want to get roughed up right. on the inside. And, right. and it's a great way to kind of like bring your confidence level up is just be like, okay, it's not that big out there. Uh, usually I'm kind of scared of getting rolled around by waves. I'm going to start doing what the coaches said. Go out there. Don't even really worry about like being in the perfect position at first, but just, just say, I'm just going to work the inside. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get worked on the inside. I'm gonna have to jam out of the way of other surfers. It's gonna make you have to really think harder and make moves quicker, but it's gonna be really good for you and it's gonna empower you to be and surf those zones where the crowd is lighter and where you're able to to get these reps in. If you're just sitting on the outside waiting for that perfect wave, waiting you know to be in the perfect position especially if you're at a beginner break then you're like you're just never going to get a wave to yourself mm. it's always going to be it's it's always going to be difficult yeah it you at any given break on any given day there's like so many opportunities and yep. a lot of people go out there and they're just like oh i didn't get very many waves today you know when when in fact if they if they were really looking at it from you know, like a Grom's perspective or mm -hmm. a beginner's perspective on the very inside, you know, maybe the outside is total mush burger and the inside is kind of slamming on the in inside bar, but you could get out there and get in the mix and get a couple of waves that really light your fire like nothing else will on, on, on those big mushy outsiders. Totally. Um, yeah, I always like to describe a lineup as, as a ski slope because I think that so many people see a lineup as like you're either out there or you're not yet, you know? And really, there's like levels all the way through from the beach towards the outside. And it just changes depending upon what level you stay at. It, things change. So if you're on the way inside, like in waist deep water and you're boogie boarding, there's a million waves, but they're not like quite as complex and difficult or exhilarating as the outside waves, which is great for groms and beginners. And then you have that next zone where maybe there's a few of the very small ones that haven't broken yet and reforms and double ups. And that's kind of still in the same zone as those boogie boarders can probably reach that in waist deep water. Bop right out there and get a, get a real wave. Yeah. And then you have your, uh, it's all right. We, we got some tile cutting going on and <laughs> but that's what happens in Mexico. That's right. <laughs> but then, you know, there's like the, there's the green circle or. Is it a green circle or a blue circle or a blue square and a green circle? I don't, I don't ski, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> but you have the zones and, and they're all over the place and you can, you can, you pick your slope, you know, you don't have to go to the top of the mountain or nothing at all. A lot of times, especially at beach breaks, you know, those slow sloping beach breaks like Nosara, Costa Rica, La Mission, you know, and all these like big expansive beaches have multiple zones where you can play at in. Yep. And, uh, and then, you know, just so shortboarding, longboarding, we cover those. And you can imagine mid-length, one of my favorite things to do nowadays is a, a kind of a blessing of both, both things. You yeah. Can, you get that power of the board 
like you would in longboarding. Longer board, a little more volume, helps you be able to move around a little bit more in the lineup, you know, more casually reach position and, and achieve your good timing, um, but also has that benefit of a, a little more compact of a board. Now, everybody's mid-length is different, I guess. You right. know, like somebody might lean more towards the long board, maybe a big dude, and somebody might lean more towards the short board, maybe a really great surfer that's, you know, just wants a little extra volume or a smaller person. But the mid-length is such a beautiful balance of all the positives of these two equipments. And you really can take that board into like the outside and wait for the bomb if you so choose, or the inside and, and really knife a takeoff and, and yeah. be under the lip just like a shortboarder would. You know, and it's not as good as a shortboard is at knifing it, and it's not as glidey as a longboard, but it's pretty damn close. Yep. And it allows you to play both of those games, mm -hmm. which neither neither of the longboard or the shortboard you can't really interchange that. So right. it is. It's 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 crucial to to mess around and find the right equipment like we we hit on earlier like start working yourself down in, in length and width and thickness not so much to where you're like under the water and you're slogging through the water with every paddle but you should be going more towards those boards that fit into fit into the pocket and aren't just made to paddle in on the shoulder of a big old soft mushy wave and just basically go straight to the beach. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. I, I really love this. And Kooks, uh, you know what we say, right? If you're not catching your own waves, you are cooking <laughs> We'll catch you next week, peeps. Right on, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Woo! Checking out.